0: G'day, welcome to Justin Case Law. I'm Tanya Chapman, and in this episode, we're going to look at a family provision claim, which is an application for provision or greater provision from a deceased estate. The case we're looking at today involves a mother who had three children, and in her will, she left the majority of her estate to only one child. One of her other children, one who was left much less of the estate, made an application to the court to receive greater provision. Coral Scott died in July 2019 at the age of 89. As I said, she had three children. There was Coral Lynn, Clifton and Charlene. Coral signed her last will only two months before her death in May 2019. In that will, she appointed Charlene as her executor and gave Charlene the family home at Fairfield, worth about $780,000. There was a gift in the will of $40,000 each to Coral Lynn and Clifton. The rest of the estate, being around $90,000, was to be divided equally among the children. Taking in the size of the estate in the terms of the will, this would leave Coral Lynn with $70,000, Clifton, with $70,000, and Charlene, with $810,000, which is a significant difference. On one side, in this case, we have Charlene, who was defending the estate and her right to inherit the family home in accordance with the terms of the will. On the other side, we have Coral Lynn, seeking greater provision from the estate. As well as filing a claim for greater provision, Coral Lynn was also seeking evidence in relation to how the last will was created. She wanted to see if there was anything that would cause concern about testamentary capacity or undue influence. She wanted to see the file of the solicitor who had prepared the will, a Mr Webby, who just so happened to also be representing her sister in this probate case. So to clarify, the solicitor Mr Webby had prepared and witnessed the will, for Coral, but he was also now acting for Charlene defending this family provision claim. Counsel for Charlene claimed that Coral Lynn, seeking to have Mr. Webby give evidence, was creating a conflict of interest. However, Justice Parker turned it back on her, saying, quote, Any difficulty with him being required to give evidence about the circumstances in which the May 2019 will was prepared was a self-inflicted one. It stemmed from Mr Webby's decision to represent Charlene in proceedings in which he could potentially have been a material witness, end quote. Starting with a little drama, and it's only going to get bigger from here, let's jump into the background. The Fairfield House was purchased in the late 1950s, when Coral Lynn was just a little child. She moved out when she got married at 21 years old. She lived with her husband for a couple of years, but the marriage ended and she moved back home. She lived in the house with her mother for the rest of her mother's life, about 61 years. Clifton lived at home until he was about 20 years old, and then he lived independently and never returned back to the home. Charlene also moved out in her early 20s, she lived in London twice, first for one year and then again for less than a year. She mainly lived at the Fairfield property, except for a few months every now and then when she would live with the boyfriends. In 1992, the father of the household retired, and he was worried about the mortgage payments. He asked Coral Lynn to help him pay off the mortgage, which she did by taking out a personal loan for $5,000. In late 2015, Coral and her husband made matching wills. They left their entire estates to each other first, and then on the death of both of them, to be divided equally between the three children. This will was prepared with the assistance of solicitor Mr Duncombe. The husband died the next year, and the house was transferred into Coral's sole name. There was little other assets in the estate, so the children contributed equally to the cost of the funeral. Coral Lynn and Charlene continued to live in the family home with their mother. In fact, Charlene was in receipt of the carer's pension since 2011. From the early 1970s, Coral Lynn had been in continuous full-time employment as an administrator for the police and also worked a second job at a supermarket. She lived fairly frugally and rarely went on holidays. Between 2012 to 2017, she was involved in three significant car accidents and suffered ongoing physical and psychological difficulties. She received two compensation payouts. Charlene stated that between 1994 and 2003, she suffered PTSD, major depression and anxiety. She said that she was unable to work. Even before that, her brother Clifton gave evidence that she had a number of jobs, but that she would always leave them. Charlene applied for a disability pension, but was denied. Coral Lynn said that it was after this that she applied for the carer's pension as carer for her mother. Even though Charlene was supposedly Coral's carer, Coral remained fairly independent and self-sufficient. And there was no evidence that Charlene was performing any of those tasks you would normally expect a carer to, such as preparing meals, assisting with laundry and domestic tasks, and taking the care recipient to medical appointments or out on day trips. In fact, there was little evidence that Coral needed a carer at all. In 2017, Charlene formed a relationship with David O'Hagan. David lived on the Central Coast and Charlene would visit him, but the Fairfield property remained her home base. Even though they were all living under the same roof, they appeared to live separate lives. They didn't eat meals together and they prepared their own meals. Coral enjoyed reasonably good health up into her late 80s, although Coral Lynn noticed that her mother was having memory problems and would lose her train of thought. In October 2018, Coral had a possibly cancerous growth on her leg. Before she could get surgery for it, she had a serious fall at home and broke her arm and hip and was hospitalised for almost two months. The Fairfield house was run down, and it needed some renovations to make it safe for Coral to come home. There was some underpinning work and construction ramps that Coral Lynn paid for. There were other bathroom renovations done by or organised by David, who by now was sometimes spending the night at the Fairfield property. It was around this time that Coral Lynn and Charlene's relationship began to break down, and they were no longer on speaking terms which would have been very awkward living in the same house. There was a physical altercation which resulted in bruises, scratches, and Charlene placing Coral Lynn in a headlock. With tensions high, the bathroom renovations were completed, and Coral was discharged from hospital. It seemed that on returning home, Coral took Charlene's side. She also cut off contact with her son Clifton as a result of a falling out between Clifton and Charlene, the discord between Charlene and Coraline got even more serious. Coraline had made a compensation claim for a 2017 car accident. In February 2019, Charlene signed a statutory declaration for the defendant insurer stating that her sister had exaggerated the extent and effect of her disabilities. Coral Lynn got her hands on a copy of the statement her sister had made. A part of the stat deck read, quote, Upon reading her statement, I was extremely upset and stressed over her untrue claims regarding her domestic duties, caring for our mother, and the care I have provided her since her motor vehicle accident. Her statement took on my actual role with my mother, and this caused my mother and I great concern that if believed, it could very likely jeopardise my carer's payment to look after my mother, and this would then see me forced to go back to work, and my mother placed in a home as she cannot be left unattended for long, if at all, for most days. After reading her statement, I mentioned to the claimant my thoughts on what she had written, and the possible outcome to myself and our mother Ift believed, but she was non-responsive. This obviously caused a rift between the sisters, but there was also the renovation works being done. And with David organizing and doing some of them, he and Charlene seemed to take over control and decision making about the renovations, leaving Coral Lynn completely out. David had begun renovations to the living room, supposedly at Coral's request, and this included a computer-controlled door lock. Coral Lynn claimed that the card she was given would not work and she was unable to get into the house on occasions. In April 2019, Charlene contacted solicitor Mr Webby and arranged for her mother to meet with him to do a new will. Mr Webby met with Coral for two face-to-face appointments but most of his communication was by email with Charlene. Coral made the will, leaving the house to Charlene, and she also signed a statement explaining her will. The testamentary statement severely criticised Coral, Lynn and Clifton for their supposed neglect of their mother and supposed mistreatment of Charlene. At the same time as doing the new will, Coral had a medical assessment of capacity, it was a very brief medical report that stated that Coral scored 28 out of 30 on the mini mental state examination, and that she was able to manage her affairs and make decisions for herself. So the medical evidence seemed to confirm Coral's capacity to do a will at this time, and Coral was meeting with the solicitor alone. Albeit out the arrangement of her daughter. It was Charlene who emailed the solicitor and arranged the appointments, and it was in those emails that Charlene stated that her mother wanted to leave the house to her. She also said that her mother was hard of hearing and relied on lip-reading. When Coral met with the solicitor, her initial instructions were that she only wanted Charlene to be her executor because, quote, she does everything for me, end quote. In relation to the small gift to Coraline of forty thousand dollars, Coral told the solicitor, "Coraline has enough money to buy her own home, and the way she is treating me, she doesn't deserve anything. She is now greedy, so I'm just giving her money." End quote. When asked about Clifton, Coral said that he th- had threatened Charlene, saying, "I'm going to get you." She said that she had later called him and said, quote, I am still upset. You threatened your sister. I'm disowning you. Don't visit anymore. End quote. So, Mister Webby drafted the will as per the instructions and sent the will to Coral via Charlene's email address. He did, however, request a phone appointment so he could read through the draft with Coral over the phone, but that was never booked in. Then there was the testamentary statement. I'm going to read quite a big extract from it because I believe it is relevant to understanding what was going on here. This is not one continuous extract, but it's actually um, bits and pieces that I've extracted out and am reading together. Quote, I have made provision for my real estate at Garran Street Fairfield West to be left to my daughter Charlene in recognition of her care, love and devotion that she has provided to me over her adult years. And especially over the last nine years, when my care needs have increased and she has always been there to look after my needs and to assist with my health care needs plus travel and shopping and all domestic tasks. I would not be able to enjoy my life without her care and all the work she does for me so that I may live my independent life as best as I can at Garen Street Fairfield West. On my behalf, she physically pays all the property rates and living expenses, and she cares for me by openly showing her love and devotion towards me. The provision I have made in my will for Charlene recognises the many years of care she has provided me after giving up her own employment to care initially for my late husband and myself, but now more recently to care for myself. She previously worked for the Attorney-General's Department, working within local courts, but gave that up in 2011 to care for me. I have considered the financial circumstances of my three children and have determined the provision made for them having regard to their present circumstances, future needs and financial resources. Adequate provision has been made for my son Clifton and my daughter Coral Lynn, During my lifetime, and I had made further provision for them in my will, but to give them any part of my home would mean that my daughter Charlene is unfairly disadvantaged. As for my daughter Coral I note she has successfully claimed damages as an injured claimant including claims for future economic wage loss in two separate motor vehicle personal injury claims arising out of two separate payouts in the last four years and she is again claiming damages for a third accident now. Coraline, even today I still cannot believe how you have changed. For sixty years you have lived with me, and we have been through a lot together, good and bad. But for you to turn out the way you have, I do not understand. You have so much hate, especially for your sister, which you were not able to hide. And although I always knew you were jealous of her, I didn't think that you would do or say the things that I have seen you do since I have been home from the hospitals. You are to blame for breaking up our little family from all of the lies you have told, not only to your brother but to strangers and our neighbours. You are full of greed and you need to have my little old house for yourself regardless of who you hurt or what you do to get it. It's disgraceful. I even asked the GP if you needed help but I knew if I told you that you would have one of your rages. I've heard and seen the things, including physical damage that you have done to me, your sister and my home, since I got home from the hospital, and I do not know who you are anymore. I am extremely hurt and upset by the person you are. I cannot accept your behaviour towards me after all I have been through these past few months. Since being in hospital... I know that this is the right decision for me regarding my will. I have not forgotten or forgiven you for all the things that you have done, and therefore, seeing that you have more than enough money in the bank to buy your own home outright, I also, out of respect for your father, leave you $40,000 plus half a share in the residue of my estate, but no part share of my house. End quote. Finally, in July, Coral returned to hospital to have the growth on her leg removed, but she sadly suffered a heart attack and died. Coraline became aware of the new will, leaving the Fairfield property to Charlene. She purchased a new house for herself in Sydney and moved out. Charlene continues to reside in the Fairfield property, but spends most of her time with her boyfriend on the central coast. The hearing. Coral Lynn started proceedings in July 2020, seeking information and evidence about the execution of the will and greater provision from the estate. In October 2020, the parties attended a settlement conference but couldn't reach agreement. Shortly after the conference, Coral Lynn sent a settlement offer to Charlene, offering to settle the whole matter in exchange for $130,000 from the estate. There was offers back and forth, but none of them were accepted, and eventually the matter went to hearing. Before we move on to the hearing itself, there is one other issue I want to mention, and that is the medical evidence. I mentioned earlier that a doctor, Dr Nicholas, provided a statement confirming Coral's capacity at the time she did her will. He was confronted with this during the trial, and presented with a Commonwealth medical benefit form he had signed six months earlier that stated Coral was diagnosed with dementia. He was asked, how could he state she had dementia to such an extent that would entitle her to benefits, and then six months later sign a letter stating that Coral was capable of making her own decisions? Here's an extract from cross-examination so you can see for yourself how he answered this question. Answer, the lady had fluctuating levels of cognitive function. She was subject to recurrent infections, had admissions to hospital with confusion and delirium, and there at times at which she had no. She rationally couldn't attend and couldn't remember the doses of warfarin she was on, for example, and we had a lot of trouble managing her INR, international normalized ratio, when she was unwell. So this lady's cognitive function when she was unwell was very supple. It was very fragile, and it didn't take much of an infection or an illness to move her into a position where she wasn't able to make such decisions. On the day I saw her, on 4th of April, we had an opportunity when she was well to actually assess her, and that's where that certificate came from on that day. Question. Is dementia a progressive condition? Answer. It is progressive, yes. Question. So can it get better? Answer. Only if it's a reversible cause, which there are some, not many. Question. Did this particular patient have a reversible type of dementia? Answer. She had reversible cognitive function. I will probably clarify it that way. Did she have reversible dementia? Probably not. But unfortunately, the underlying state of her mind was that as soon as she was unwell, she was not able to make decisions. She was not able to manage her own affairs when she was unwell. Question. So, this certificate should say, I believe Mrs Carol Scott is able to manage her affairs and make decisions for herself when she is not unwell. Answer, that's very accurate. On to the family provision claim. When assessing Coral Lynn's claim for greater provision, there are a lot of factors that need to be considered, such as the contributions Coral Lynn made to her mother's estate. There was the loan she got that allowed her to give her parents $5,000 to pay off the mortgage. Now that might not seem a lot, but it was definitely a lot in 1992. She also paid rent for staying in the house. The rent amount changed over time, It increased to be $150 a week at the time of her father's death, and thereafter decreased to $50 a fortnight. When Coral returned from hospital, Coral Lynn's rent increased to $75 a fortnight. She also paid for improvement and repairs to the house, purchased and replacement of home appliances, she bought a car for her father, and a cruise for her parents and herself in 2015. Coral Lynn also contributed in other ways, doing chores about the house, cleaning and gardening. She took her parents shopping and to medical appointments. She also took them on day trips and weekends away. Coral Lynn said that although Charlene was living in the same house, she spent most of her time in her room on the computer. What caused the fight between Charlene and Coral Lynn? Well, I've already alluded to this, but let's go into a bit more detail. Coral Lynn said that after her mother's fall, she was visiting her mother in hospital and Coral said, quote, I did not fall. But, end quote. But she would not say anything more. She also said that Charlene was insane and had gone off her brain. A few days later, when Coraline was driving them to the hospital, Charlene rounded on her and said, quote, you're not kicking me out of the house, end quote. Coral Lynn put this down to jealousy, that she had a financial nest egg and Charlene didn't. Maybe with their mother being in hospital, Charlene was worried about her mother dying and the house being divided. According to Coraline, Charlene's behaviour became worse when David effectively moved in, and started undertaking the renovations in late December 2018. Her suggestions were ignored by Charlene and David, who treated the house as their own. David would also operate power equipment at all hours of the night. Coraline stated that Charlene did her best to make life at the house unpleasant. Charlene blocked the driveway with her car to prevent Coraline from using it, and Coraline's lounge was placed out on the lawn. Things culminated with a fight on the 9th of January. According to Coral Lynn, she told Charlene before she left for work to put out the garbage. When she returned from work, she found a garbage bin had been placed on her seat at the dining table. She took this up with Charlene, which ended in a scuffle where Charlene grabbed her and placed her in a headlock. Coral Lynn believed that Charlene was trying to turn their mother against her. She described one time when she went to visit her brother on the Central Coast. Clifton Jr. was gravely ill but asked her not to tell their mother. When Coral Lynn returned to Sydney, Coral was furious that she had been away for Mother's Day and said things to her such as, quote, You've been ripping me off and not paying board for 60 years. End quote. Also, quote, You've destroyed things that belong to your sister. End quote. She attributed these statements to her mother being poisoned against her by Charlene. Afterwards, when they were out of earshot of the deceased, Charlene laughed at her. A few weeks later, Charlene said to her, quote, You've got something coming. Don't think you'll get the house. End quote. Before the court, Coraline argued that the contents of her mother's testamentary statement were not true and were a result of Charlene's involvement. When asked who prepared the draft testamentary statement, Charlene at first said that Coral did. However, when asked if she drafted it and sent it to the lawyer, she said it was possible, but she could not remember. Later, she admitted that she drafted it up, but from what she could remember her mother saying. Not even from what her mother told her, but from what she could remember her mother saying. In this case... A big part of it was Coraline's evidence versus Charlene's evidence, but there were other witnesses as well. There was Dr. Nicholas, who had been GP for Coral and for Coraline for about 10 years. On many occasions, Coral had told him how grateful she was for all of Coraline's help at home and paying for household bills. She had been worried that Coral Lynn returned to work too quickly after the 2012 car accident. In April 2019, Dr. Nicholas had made a file note about how Coral was unhappy about the fight between the daughters. The note said, quote, Concerned re-daughter Coral Lynn with rages and threatening her sister, breaking tools and hiding things, claiming it's her house, screaming and violent, breaking things and tearing curtains. Coraline was shouting in the backyard. She was accusing her sister. She was invoking support from the neighbours and she was angry at Charlene's partner. End quote. The doctor actually confronted Coraline about this and she explained that she was being locked out of her house and her room and that David was freeloading and that this caused her to be angry. Clifton Jr. was also asked to give evidence about the relationship he saw between his mother and his sisters, but even his own relationship. He didn't see his mother as often, but they were still close. He visited her in hospital several times before a fight with Charlene forced him to leave. Coral called him and braided him for supposedly threatening Charlene. There was also a neighbour, Mr O'Sullivan, who gave evidence having known and lived near the family since the 1970s. On two occasions he heard yelling from Coral's house. He heard Charlene yelling at Coral that if she did not change her will, she would be out on the street. He was worried for Coral. He tried calling her, but no one answered the phone. He went over and knocked on the door, but no one answered. Moving on to Charlene's side of things. Charlene gave evidence that she was close to her mother and they would watch movies together. She said she paid the phone and internet for the house. She also said she paid the rates and outgoings, but not all the time. She denied being jealous of her sister's finances and said that Coral Lynn was obsessed with money. She attributed the fallout between them to Coral Lynn wanting to put her mother in a nursing home. Charlene also said that their mother wasn't happy with Coraline's personal injury claim and said something like, quote, "'Coraline, you can't have those lies in your statement. You've claimed what Charlene does for me, and if Centrelink read that, they will take her off the carer's benefit. Who will I have then to look after me? Because Charlene will have to go back to work. You won't give up your job to care for me." End quote. Charlene's partner, David gave evidence of Coraline stomping about the place and yelling at everyone and causing difficulties with the renovations. Outcome Justice Parker determined that both Charlene and Coraline had provided emotional support to their mother. Coraline had also provided financially to the family home. While Charlene was supposedly Coral's carer, she was unable to give any examples of tasks she did around the house except for helping with paying some bills, which Justice Parker said, quote, would hardly have been onerous or time-consuming, end quote. Justice Parker did not agree that Charlene had given up paid work to be carer for their mother. Coral was pretty self-sufficient, and instead Justice Parker determined that Charlene was capable of working but did not wish to do so. Justice Parker said that Coral Lynn probably was given to angry episodes around the house, directed at everyone including her mother, and this was probably as a response to being deprived of her status as a partner in the household. Where previously her opinion had mattered, the house was now being run by Charlene and David, who were doing their best to make her uncomfortable. In relation to that stat deck that Charlene had made in an attempt to sabotage her sister's personal injury compensation claim, the judge noted a few things telling about Charlene's statement. It refers to being forced back to work, indicating that Charlene could work but chose not to. Further, Justice Parker found it difficult to believe that anyone was truly concerned that... Coraline's compensation claim would affect the carer's pension. Quote, there is the sheer unlikelihood that anyone could really have thought that Centrelink would ever find out about a statement made by Coraline in a compensation claim. End quote. Further, it is difficult to imagine the statement resulting in Charlene losing her pension if it was in fact not true. There was the timing as well. Coraline's statement for the compensation claim was made in March 2018, yet Charlene's statement calling it out was made a year later when she was smack dab in the middle of this feud with Coraline, so the timing was sus. And also, only a small part of Charlene's statement dealt with the claims of providing care to their mother. Charlene put a lot of effort into calling out all of Coraline's supposed lies even when they didn't relate to her at all. For those reasons, the judge didn't accept Charlene's account of this matter, and instead found that Charlene's statutory declaration was motivated by jealousy and malice. Quote, While I accept Coraline may have displayed anger and taken out her frustrations on the deceased, the fundamental cause of the breakdown in the relationship between the sisters was jealousy and spite on the part of Charlene. Charlene convinced herself that the Fairfield property should be hers the deceased appears to have been closer to Charlene and to have confided in her Charlene used this dependence to manipulate the deceased and turn her against Coraline and Clifton Jr. End quote. The judge found the circumstances around the execution of the last will to be suspicious noting that Coral hadn't used her existing lawyer, but had used a new lawyer that was arranged by Charlene. It was also striking that the lawyer was instructed to send the drafts to... to Charlene's email, and strictly instructed not to send them by post. As if seeking to hide everything from Coraline. Taken overall, the judge found that the testamentary statement sounded false. Firstly, it was unconvincing as a statement from a parent to her children. Secondly, the reaction to Coral Lynn's behaviour was emotionally unconvincing. If her behaviour really had changed so substantially, it would have evoked concern for her health and well-being. The criticism that Coral Lynn was breaking up the family and planning to have the whole house to herself made no sense when Coral's previous will left everything equally to the three children. The statement that adequate provision had been made during her lifetime, when in fact, it was Coral Lynn who had been providing for her mother. The statements that Charlene alone helped around the house completely ignored those contributions made by Coral Lynn, and the statement Coral herself had made to her doctor about how much Coral Lynn helped. There was also that statement that Coral Lynn had enough money to buy her own home. There is no evidence that Coral knew anything about Coral Lynn's financial position, and while Coral Lynn did have a nest egg, it was not enough to purchase a house outright. Charlene appeared to believe her sister was a millionaire and told their mother this. The statement also praises Charlene for paying half of the renovation cost, but Charlene reimbursed herself from her mother's bank accounts. So overall, it was found that the testamentary statements sounded fake, and it sounded like it was highly, heavily influenced by Charlene. In relation to the involvement of both a doctor and a lawyer in the preparation of the will, factors that would normally make a will airtight, Justice Parker said, quote, It is most unfortunate that Dr. Nicholas gave his certificate on 4th of April 2019 in the form in which he did. He failed to mention that the deceased's cognitive function was not reliable in all circumstances. This was a critical admission, given the purpose of the certificate. It meant that Mr. Webby was not alerted to difficulties the deceased may have been experiencing even when she was apparently well. It is true that Mr. Webby interviewed the deceased on her own and was satisfied of her capacity. But even if it were possible to conclude that the deceased did have full capacity when she gave instructions for and executed the will, and that question has not been fully explored before me. That did not immunise the will against Charlene's baleful influence behind the scenes. I do not believe that the will represents a fair and considered testamentary judgment. Rather, I am satisfied that it was the result of a process of manipulation and misinformation on the part of Charlene, designed to advance her own interests. End quote. In family provision claims such as this, it is important to look at and compare the financial position of the parties. Coral Lynn was in a stronger financial position than Charlene, but as Justice Parker put it, by no means, quote, impregnably wealthy. End quote. Where a person is in a relationship, it is not only their assets and income that is counted, it is also the income and assets of their partner or spouse. What was interesting in this case is that although Charlene was spending half her time at David's house, and he was living sometimes at the Fairfield property, they said that their sexual relationship had ended around the time of Coral's death, and they were just friends. It was on this basis that they didn't disclose David's finances in the proceedings. Overall, Justice Parker found that the 2019 will and the testamentary statement were the product of Charlene's influence behind the scenes. Quote, The statement painted a false picture, which had come directly or indirectly from Charlene the grounds given for the dramatic reduction in Coraline's inheritance were spurious, end quote. Which brings us to the word of the episode, spurious. Spurious meaning not being what it purports to be, outwardly similar or corresponding to something without having its genuine qualities, false. The grounds given for the dramatic reduction in Coraline's inheritance were spurious, end quote. With the false beliefs the deceased had in mind at the time of making the 2019 will, it did not carry the weight of a capable and fair-minded person. Once you set that aside, the provisions made in the 2015 will for equal division made much more sense, especially as there had been no material changes since the 2015 will was made. Justice Parker made the following statement, Quote, Coral Lynn had been deprived by the machinations of Charlene of a one third share of the deceased estate, representing the deceased's previous assessment of what would be a proper level of advancement. End quote. Justice Parker concluded that the 2019 will failed to make adequate provision for Coral Lynn and further provision should be made. Instead of the $40,000 made in the will, the court awarded Coral Lynn $180,000. The Fairfield property would have to be sold, and the $180,000 paid to Coral Lynn from the proceeds. The parties were not able to agree on the legal costs, which led the judge to make the orders as follows. Coral Lynn's legal costs were to be paid from Charlene's share of the estate on an ordinary basis. Charlene's legal costs as executor were to be paid from her share of the estate. Charlene appealed the decision. One of the grounds for appeal was that when assessing Coral Lynn's financial needs, the judge didn't give enough consideration to the almost $670,000 that Coral Lynn had in superannuation. The appeal court said no, Justice Parker had considered this but you cannot know when she might be able to access her super. There was no reason to treat it as a current asset rather than a potential future income stream. The appeal was dismissed with cost. It was agreed from the outset that Clifton's share of the estate should be quarantined and not eaten away by legal costs. This meant that both Coraline's and Charlene's costs were to be paid from Charlene's share of the estate. That was the case of Scott versus Scott, uh, 2022 New South Wales Supreme Court 914. The citations are provided in the notes. Definitely an interesting case, but I would love to hear anyone else's opinion on it. We now have a Facebook page where I share links to the case, and you're totally free to jump on and share in your comments your opinions or thoughts or questions. I'd love to hear from you. You can also jump on the page and just post other topics you might like me to cover or other cases that you might have heard of that you want to share with the group. As for lessons to take from this case, for me, one thing that stood out was that letter from the doctor confirming that Cole had testamentary capacity when it was the same doctor who previously had concerns about her capacity. It really makes you wonder about how reliable such assessments of capacity are. Really, the true blue gold standard is to get a professional assessment of capacity, potentially by a geriatrician, but it should be an assessment that is much more extensive than a mini-mental examination. Those hold very little weight. It should be an assessment that goes over her medical conditions, Any medication she's taken that can affect her capacity, it should assess what she's doing in her will, why she's doing it, what's the rationale behind that, and is there any flaws in her rationale. In this case, it definitely should have said that her capacity was affected when she had an infection or was unwell. It should be a much more comprehensive assessment in order to hold weight in family provision proceedings such as this. There was also the testamentary statement, which is supposed to be valuable evidence in cases like this. It is evidence from the grave, so that if Coral's will was challenged like it was, Coral's voice from the grave could give her side of events. But sadly, it appears that this testamentary statement was drafted almost entirely by Charlene, supposedly based off what she could remember her mother saying, and wasn't even in her mother's words. I really think testamentary statements like this need to be drafted by the deceased, in the deceased's words, and even then carefully drafted and considered. So the solicitor could work with her to say, okay, you're saying this, you're saying that Coraline has made no uh, domestic or caring support, is that really the case? Or you have said she has caused physical damage to you, charlene and the house what do you mean by that because there was no other evidence in this case of any physical damage so where did that come from uh this testamentary statement it can be valuable evidence in case i feel like this uh, this time it went the wrong way it was like a you know reverse card because it really did show that instead of expressing coral's wishes that charlene had influenced Coral, or had actively taken steps to poison her mother against Coral Lynn. Those are my thoughts, but as I said, I'm absolutely delighted if I get to hear any of yours. Please feel free to jump onto our Facebook page and share them. Thank you for joining me for this episode, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.